morning. I'm going to open up to Revelation chapter 8. We're just going to read a couple of verses here. We're going to read Revelation 8, 2 through 5. Then I saw the seven angels who stand before God, and the seven trumpets were given to them. And another angel came and stood at the altar with a golden censer, and he was given much incense to offer with the prayers of all the saints on the golden altar before the throne. And the smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints rose before God from the hand of the angel. And when the angel took the censer and filled it with fire from the altar and threw it on the earth, there were peals of thunder, rumblings, flashes of lightnings, and an earthquake. Let's pray together here. Father, we just need your help every day. We need your help today. And um, just pray what Andy was saying would be real in our lives. We really want, um, we don't want any idols, so would you help us? Um, we want to worship you, and we need help. Would you help us just to take um, your word, and it would be food to our souls, and give us clear thinking and spiritual insight by your spirit to just understand your word we're looking to you for help we're asking this in jesus name amen all right well start with just the context here we just finished up going through a lot of these judgments really and we're getting ready to get into another kind of retelling of the same thing the seven trumpets are very similar, and then later on, um, another retelling of these same things over and over. A lot of commentators think that Revelation has a sevenfold repetition where it's saying the same thing seven times. Kind of the interesting thing is they can't agree where those seven times are, <laughs> so they'll divide up differently. So it might not be quite as clear as that, but um, regardless, we're here kind of in between the seven trumpets and the seven seals, and we're just going to look at these short, the short section, which I think should come across to us and to the first century Christians the first time they're reading this as an encouragement, because here's all these big events, and a lot of times difficult, you know, really hard things, famines and wars and, and all these things, and then we just read, you know, about God knows his people. And ultimately, God's people will be saved, and not, not one's going to be lost. And that's the 144,000. We talked about that last week. But then, that sounds good, and that's an encouragement. We're thankful for that. And ultimately, we talked about, you know, where's our hope? Our hope is in Christ, to know him, to be with him, to be like him. But the 144,000 this that we just read in chapter 7 last week, is kind of towards the end, right? It's eternity. And then, but here's an encouragement in chapter 8 that even before we make it there, there's reason for encouragement. That this, what we just read, is talking about prayer. And it's this is what it says. It's really, again, just like the rest of Revelation, the second half of Revelation very imaginative, very vivid imagery of what prayer is like. And this is the way it's described, is that there's an altar. 
before God. And an angel comes, and they have a golden censer, and incense is offered, which are the prayers of the saints, with the prayers of the saints. And they're poured out before the throne. And then the smoke with the incense and these prayers of the saints rose before God. Then that same censer was filled with fire from the altar, and then it was thrown back down to earth. And there were peals of thunder, rumblings, flashes of lightnings, and an earthquake. So this is a picture of prayer, a very vivid picture of what prayer is like. Prayer is, we pray to God. And our prayers are like incense that goes right into the very throne room of God. And there's a pause. Even the angels pause. And they offer that to God Almighty in a golden, in a golden censer. And it's burned. But that's not it. It doesn't stop there. It's not just that God hears our prayers. Then that same fire is taken and thrown back down to the earth. And there's an effect. There's actually powerful, powerful effect. Peals of thunder and flashes of lightning and an earthquake. And one thing just to remember at this time, you know, the Romans and the Greeks all thought that, you know, the highest God was in control of lightning and, and, you know, you can think of Zeus or, or Jupiter or whatever. And so this is to the Roman audience, again, contrasting the false gods with the one true God, that the one true God, Yahweh, he really is the God who controls not just lightning, but everything. And so to the Greeks and the Romans who are reading this, it's like, oh yeah, God is the one that's really in control. It's not, it's not Zeus. It's not Jupiter. It's God. And so basically everyone agreed that this was an imagery of power, you know, ultimate power. And so what can we take from this? And what did the first century church take from this? In the midst of these seven seals and seven trumpets, there's this short section, a reminder that God Almighty, in the midst of all these big events, not only does he know his people, and not only will they be saved in the end, he hears the prayers of his people now. And there's a couple words I want you to notice here as in this section, and let's just talk about them. Revelation 8.3, one word I just want you to notice about these prayers. It says, Another angel came and stood at the altar with a golden censer, and he was given much incense to offer with the prayers of all the saints. Just the word all there. All the saints. Who does this apply to? In the middle of the big events in history, God hears your prayers. All the saints. Your prayer. That's you and me. Every Christian. God hears our prayers. In the middle of the throne room of heaven, God hears your prayers. You. You're a part of all. And from the throne of God, fire is mixed and with your prayers and sent back to earth. And the result is powerful. And who does this apply to? All the saints. Every single one of us. And this is a pretty simple message. And it's just a reminder of things you already know. But that God hears your prayers. And here's this imagery to remind us what an honor that is. And what an amazing reality. That when we bow down to pray because of the blood of Christ, God really hears our prayers. Well, kind of to illustrate this basic point that God hears the prayers of everyone, I'm going to uh, 
ask you to flip to James chapter 5, and this is basically saying the exact same thing in a, in a different way, that God hears the prayers of all, our, all the saints. And it's just giving an example here. And we're just going to really have a brief message on this one point, but just illustrating it a different way. James 5, we'll read a couple verses just to get the context here. 13 to 18. This is a familiar verse. I'm sure you've probably could quote some of these verses here. 5.13 Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. I'll pause right there. That's a good verse on prayer. No matter Basically, no matter what's going on, we can pray. If it's something bad going on, why don't we pray? Something good going on? Let's praise. Let's pray. <laughs> Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of the righteous person has great power as it is working. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months it did not rain on the earth. And then he prayed again, and heaven gave rain, and earth bore its fruit. Okay, well, I might just comment on 15 here, because I don't know when we'll do this again, but we just read it. Just a short, this is a little bit of a side note, but it says, And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick. A lot of times we read that and think healing, right? Like it's talking about if somebody's sick, come and pray. And it definitely could be talking about that, because this word for saved is like whole. They'll be made whole. And the Lord will raise him up, and if he has committed sins, he'll be forgiven. So there's that actually that second part that it could be talking about healing, physical healing, but it's definitely talking about saved spiritually. If we confess our sins, that we'll be saved um, from the wrath of God. And so, um, just a side note there, in case you're wondering, um, that definitely we can have faith that God can heal us if he wants to, but also that there's salvation from our sins. And so, a lot of times it get this word save there gets connected with the first verse and not the next phrase after. But anyways, the verse that I really wanted to highlight here is that Elijah was a man with a nature just like ours. Elijah was a man just like us. And so this is really similar to what we're already talking about in Revelation that all, all the saints, every Christian, God hears their prayer that we can have confidence that God hears or wants to answer our prayer. Now we think about Elijah and it's trying to get across and combat the idea that there's like certain people that are really great Christians that God listens to. And then there's others. No, Elijah is a man with a nature just like ours. He was just like us. He prayed fervently that it might not rain, and then for three years and six months it did not rain on the earth. And that applies to you, that God hears your prayers, that Elijah wasn't somebody better than you. And actually, it's interesting that this is the section from Elijah's life that they use. I'm just going to read to you from it just so you can kind of get a feel. Because, well, 
you might think, well, that's what it says. Elijah was a man just like us. And, but not really, (laughs) but he really was. And the story makes it really, really clear. Um, So I'm going to read, you don't have to turn here, but this is from first Kings 17. I'm just going to jump around and just give you this sense of the section there that when Elijah did pray for it to not rain and then to rain. Just a short summary here to get across this idea. Now, Elijah the Tishbite said to Ahab, As the Lord, the God of Israel, lives before whom I stand, there there shall be neither dew nor rain these years except by my word. So he went and did according to the word of the Lord, and he lived by the brook in Cherith, that is east of the Jordan. And the ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning, and bread and meat in the evening, and he drank from the brook. And after a while the brook dried up, because there was no rain in the land. And then the word of the Lord came to him, Arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow to feed you there. So then he goes, I'm going to summarize a little bit, just so because it's kind of a long section. So he goes and he lives with the widow. You remember that God provides miraculously the food for both of them. But then, in the middle of that, the widow's son dies. And this is what Elijah prays. And he cried to the Lord, O oh my Lord, my God, have you brought calamity even upon the widow with whom I so- sojourned by killing her son? And then he stretched himself out upon the child three times and cried to the Lord, O oh my Lord, let this child's life come back, come into him again. And the Lord listened to the voice of Elijah, and the life of the child came to him again, and he revived. And after many days, the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year, saying, Go show yourself to Ahab, and I will send rain upon the earth. And Elijah said to Ahab, Go up and drink, for there is a sound of rushing rain. So Ahab went up to eat and drink, and Elijah went up to the top of Mount Carmel. And he bowed himself down on the earth, and he put his face between his knees. And he said to his servant, Go up now and look toward the sea. And he went up and looked and said, There is nothing. And he said, Go again seven times. And then at the seventh time he said, Behold, a little cloud like a man's hand is rising from the sea. And he said, Go up, say to Ahab, prepare your chariot and go down, lest the rain stop you. And the heavens grew black with clouds and wind, and there was great rain. And the hand of the Lord was on Elijah, and he gathered up his garment and ran before Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel. All right, there's a little bit more I want to read, but I'll stop right there and just give you a couple thoughts here. So here it's saying that Elijah was a man with a nature just like ours. He prayed that it didn't rain, which sounds very miraculous. And it was because it's affecting a large area. And I think that a lot of times in the Christian life, especially American evangelicalism, we have an idea. Here's what the Bible says. And then we imagine in our mind, oh, what is that going to look like? What does it look like in our life? And then we imagine something that's not real. And so then we feel discouraged or we feel guilty or we feel disappointed or we're shooting for something that's not real. Um, and when we hear that God hears our prayers and that God wants to answer our prayers, what would you think that life would look like? A life where God Almighty is hearing and answering your prayers. In my mind, and this isn't right, but I think, well, boy, that person's life would sure be a lot easier than my life. <laughs> right? Surely there'd be a lot less difficulties. But here we see Elijah with a man with a nature just like us. Did God hearing and answering his prayers mean there was no difficulty in his life? No. He prayed that it didn't rain, and then what happened? It didn't rain. And that actually caused him a lot of difficulty. (laughs) He goes out to the brook Cherith. Why? Because people are running after him. They They want to kill him, and they actually promised to kill him. And 
Then what happens? The brook dries up. God's miraculously providing for him with the, with, with the ravens, but then he's got no water. And he's sitting there. God told me to come out here, and I don't have anything to drink. And what am I going to do? <laughs> and then eventually God's word comes to him again and tells him, okay, now I need you to go to this other place. And so he goes, and then God provides for him again. And God miraculously provides the bread through this, through this lady. And then what happens? The sun dies. <laughs> and so he has to pray again, God, what's going on here? You know, this isn't what I expected. And God hears his prayer in this case. His, the son is, is alive. Well, then after quite a while, the word of the Lord comes to Elijah and basically tells him, okay, now it's time to pray for rain. So he prays for rain. And what is it like when God hears your prayers? God didn't even answer the first time. <laughs> he prays and he looks out and there's nothing. And so he prays again and there's nothing. And he prays again and there's nothing. And he prays again and there's nothing. He prays again and there's, he prays seven times. And then he finally sees a cloud the size of a man's fist. <laughs> but he thinks, okay, God is going to answer. That is encouraging. That makes, when you read the actual story, you can kind of feel like, okay, yeah, maybe Elijah was a man with a nature like us. <laughs> Right? If God really hears your prayers, that doesn't mean your life always goes easy. You might pray for something and actually it makes your life harder and then you're more confused. <laughs> well, God, I prayed for this and I thought this was going to be good and now this is actually harder than I expected <laughs> and I don't know what to do next. And so then you pray again and God leads you on to the next thing. And then what happens? You get to the end of yourself again and something happens. Oh, I, I know I prayed for this, God, but now I'm confused again. <laughs> please help me. Please do this. Please do that. And that's what it means when we say God hears our prayers. It doesn't mean that there's no difficulties. It doesn't mean that everything we expect happens is going to happen. It means that there's a real and living God in heaven who hears our prayers. And not just one time. We go and we pray and we walk and we do what he asks us to do. And then pretty soon we're going to have to be praying again. <laughs> Very soon. God, help me in this. Help me with that. I don't understand this. But that's the reality. That it's not perfect, it doesn't mean there's no problems, but again, what's the main point of what we're talking about? The real and living God on His throne in heaven really hears your prayers. And you pray and He hears, and then you go back and you pray again. It's a pretty amazing thing. It's a pretty amazing privilege. Well, not only that, what happens right after God answers His prayer also helps us to really understand that Elijah's man with a nature just like us so he just had this miraculous answer to prayer and this is what happens right after this is right after all that ahab told jezebel that Eli all that elijah had done and how he killed all the prophets with the sword this is actually right after um fire you know comes down um when he has that encounter um with the prophets of baal so there's another Mac. That's the answer to prayer there. But this is what Elijah's response is. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, So may the gods do so more to me and also if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by this time tomorrow. So Je Jezebel promises Elijah, I'm basically I'm going to kill you. And then Elijah was afraid and he arose and ran for his life and came to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a broom tree. And he asked that he might die, saying, It is enough now, Lord, take away my life, for I am no better than my father's. 
And he lay down, and he slept under a broom tree. And behold, an angel touched him and said to him, Arise and eat. And he looked and beheld, and there at his head was a cake baked on hot stones and a jar of water. And he ate and drank and lay down again. Okay, so here's Elijah hears, has all these answers to prayer over and over. Even this whole amazing thing where fire comes down from heaven. And then what's his, what happens? He gets afraid and he decides, I'm going to run. And he runs as far as he can. And then when he gets, he, when he gets quite far away, he lays down and he says, God, would you just go ahead and kill me now? So now I feel like it's encouraging that this is what James says. Elijah was a man with a nature just like us. And God, he prayed and God heard him. The Christians, the people that God listens to, aren't people that got it all together. Aren't people that always have their faith 10 out of 10. His faith failed him here, right? He, he begins to doubt. He begins to despair. And he prays, God, take away my life. But what happens? God heard his prayer. And he sent an angel to give him bread and to encourage him. Basically, sleep and eat is what he said which is pretty good advice if you're depressed. Sleep. Get some sleep. Eat. (laughs) We'll talk tomorrow. But all that is to say, what an encouragement that this is what it says. God, here's our prayers. He heard Elijah's prayer here. Was this this the best prayer of all time? Probably not a great prayer theologically. (laughs) But God heard it. Elijah was the, was a man with a nature just like us. So this is an encouragement to us. Those prayers that are incense offered on the altar, they're not just our clean, good, we're doing great prayers. They are, God, I'm pretty tired. I'm ready to be done prayers. They're, God, I don't know if I can make it. I think I'm ready to just, just be done. <laughs> God, even those prayers, God hears. He doesn't answer them in the way he thought. But he answers, he hears. And was there fire really that came down from heaven? Well, in this case, it's an angel, right? But God intervenes in Elijah's life. So I think it should be an encouragement to us. God hears our prayers. We just go to him. And he hears, and he acts. And then, pretty soon we're going to be confused again and need help again. And we go again, and he hears and over and over and over. And we bring where we are, and God hears us, and he does things. And we don't want to take that for granted. Let me give you a quote here. There's lots of examples we could use from the scriptures of this, but here's one quote that I like. We often see the effects of our we often don't see the effects of our seeming seemingly insignificant lives. In Hannah's day, who would have thought that the future of Israel lay in her humble prayer rather than in the spiritual legacy of Israel's high priest, Eli. So remember in 1 Samuel where Hannah goes and she's praying for a child and there's Eli, the high priest, and God is setting up the future of Israel, like setting them up spiritually. And what's going to happen? He's actually going to take away Eli's portion and his children are going to die. And this lady who's not even the number one wife in her home, right? She's kind of the second fiddle to this other lady who has actually is having children. She's praying and God hears that and he changes the course of 
all of Israel. And Samuel's born. It's pretty amazing. There's so many examples like this. God hears your prayers. And we just want to hit that again. God really hears your prayers. You don't know what He's going to do with it. He may not answer the way you think, but He's going to hear and answer. And that's an amazing thing. I'm going to read uh, this from the Heidelberg Catechism. It's a question uh, that's going to kind of tie several of these points together. But uh, it's here's the question, you know, question and answer. What is the kind of prayer that pleases God? What is the kind of prayer that pleases God? First, we must pray from the heart to no other than the one true God revealed to us in His Word. Asking for everything God has commanded us to ask for. Secondly, we must fully recognize our need and misery so that we humble ourselves in God's majestic presence. Third, we must rest on this unshakable foundation. Even though we do not deserve it, God will surely listen to our prayer because of Christ our Lord. That is what God promised in His Word. Well, there's a lot there. There's three points, but... I felt like that really tied up this thing well. It really hits a lot of the points that we're talking about. One more thing I want you to notice, and I'm going to jump ahead a little because we're not quite there yet. But one thing I want you to notice in Revelation that we're not going to get to this week because there's quite a long section. Chapter 8 and 9 are kind of one unit. But this beginning and the end of Revelation 8 and 9, I think, are contrasts. Okay? And we just talked about how God hears our prayers. But at the very end of Revelation 9, he's, he's contrasting this section where God hears our prayers with another, with another group of people, the people who don't repent, the people who aren't trusting the Lord. This is Revelation 9, 20 and 21. It says, The rest of mankind, this is after all these difficulties and plagues, and the rest of mankind who were not killed by these plagues did not repent of their works, of their hands, nor give up worshiping demons and idols of gold and silver and bronze and stone and wood, which cannot see or hear or walk, nor did they repent of their murders or their sorceries or their sexual immorality or their thefts. So here at the beginning, at the end, there's people trusting something and looking to something. At the beginning, it's the people of God. And when they pray, God hears and He acts. And at the end, it's people who, you know, the lost world. And they're trusting idols of gold and silver and bronze and stone, which cannot see or hear or walk. And you see the contrast there? And when we cry out to God, God really hears us. He really sees and He really can act. Rather than an idol which can't hear us, can't see, and doesn't act, isn't capable. The reason I wanted to read that section of the Heidelberg Catechism, is that that's what it starts with, is that we're praying to the one true God who really is. No other. First, we must pray from the heart to no other than the one true God revealed to us in His Word. We pray to the real God, and that's the reason He can act. It's because He's real, and He hears. Second, we must fully recognize our need so that we humble ourselves in God's majestic presence. We're needy. We're praying because we're weak. 
You know, think about the Christians in the first century. There's some seriously difficult things going on. You know, we've got difficulties in our life, and they're, I'm not trying to downplay any of them, but for example, do you remember, can you picture in your mind that picture of the um, first century home that I showed you that was covered in ash in Pompeii where it had, they literally named the home the home with the little brothel or whatever, and there were slaves in there, and they were mistreated. Um, we know from Romans some of the list of the names. There were names that were very clearly slave names. There were Christians in the first century who were slaves. And they were mistreated and they had went through horrible things. And yet, God heard their prayers. Think about that. That's pretty amazing. It was a difficult time. It was a difficult time to live uh, the Christian life. I mean, we think about entertainment, you know. There's a lot of things around us. Entertainment's a big thing, and there's a lot of negative things in entertainment. I'll give you just a... I can't even tell you all the details because it's, it's that. I can't even tell you how bad it is from the pulp. <laughs> but Nero, this is just going to... I'm going to give you a, try and give you a taste, a feel to give it across. Nero would have entertainment where people would come and they would reenact some of these... Um, stories of the gods and people would literally die on stage and their blood would go into the crowd and that's the kind of environment that Christians were living in it's it, just horrible um, really really horrible stuff and yet God Almighty was there to help them get through it and they had a direct connection cry god help us protect us change change the culture <laughs> stop this and god heard and god answered god helped them through it god got people through it and he's going to help get us through what we're going through wherever you are whatever's going on i'll just quote from the catechism this heidelberg catechism we must rest on this uns- unshakable foundation that even though we don't deserve it God will surely listen to our prayer because of Christ our Lord. That is what God promised in His Word. We don't deserve it. We're not perfect. We're like Elijah, a man with a nature just like us, which means not perfect, messing up, can't see the next step, but is crying to God for help. And sometimes just pouring out his heart. I just, I feel like giving up. Wherever you're at, Pour out your heart to God, and God is going to hear your prayer. And so then, kind of to tie all this together, how do we apply this? You know, sometimes with your kids, you know, you're trying to explain something to them, and you would shake it into them if you could. (laughs) You know what I'm talking about? It's like, this is, you need to understand this, and I just want to, you know, I just, (laughs) I can't make you understand it, you know. Um, And if I could, I would. (laughs) Um, I don't shake my kids. <laughs> I get upset, but you know what I'm talking about. Um, that's like us, you know. Here's this reality: God's got to apply it to our hearts. That to really take seriously that God hears our prayers. It's just such a big truth that God Almighty hears our prayers. I can't put it into words. What a privilege it is. I, I try, <laughs> and I fail. God really hears your prayers. 
and he really wants to answer and he really helps you. How could we apply this? We could just ask God, God, would you make this more real to me? Would you make the privilege of prayer real in my heart more and more? Would we pray more intentionally? Surely we would. If this, the, if this was so real to us, we would just we'd pray more intentionally. I mean, think about this. What a blessing that you could be to people. Just a huge blessing. Why? Because you have God's ear. Think about that. All the people around you going through difficult things. It's not a little thing to say, hey, I'm going to be praying for you. That's actually a really big blessing because God is actually listening. Lost family members. People going through health trials, emotional trials, relational trials, work trials, home trials. We can pray for people. Would we pray more boldly? Think about this. Think about how amazing this is that literally what this section is saying is that when we pray, heaven pauses and the angels pause and they offer, those prayers are offered to God and then He responds. It's kind of like, it's just unreal. <laughs> God really hears your prayer and it means a lot. That, I mean, it relates just back to how Jesus covered us with His blood and now we're really our sons of God and we really are treated like we're not treated like second class sons that when Jesus prays it makes sense that that the angels stop what they're doing but we are really adopted sons of God and when we pray there really is a sense in which things pause in heaven that's crazy but it's true so we would pray more boldly we'd pray more intentionally Surely we pray more frequently. We can pray freely. You know, we can pray from the heart. Just whatever is on your heart, wherever you're at, pour it out to God, just like Elijah did. Even even if it's ugly, pour it out to God. Because He hears, and He wants to hear, and He's going to answer. And that's what we need a lot of times, is we need a response. One other thought... I guess two other thoughts. Let's not forget the times in our life when God really answered and changed things. You know, There's times when we don't get to see it. But the times when we do, we really don't want to forget that. It's an encouragement to remember. God really helps. You know, There's things for me, a lot of them are with teaching, back when I was teaching, where I would get to the end of my rope, and there's several things that, some stories I can't share, but some I, could, I can, like, my first year teaching, again, sorry, well, I've only got stories from my life or you know, most of my stories from my own life. So I'm not trying to say like I've got it all together, but they're, God hears all Christians' prayers. You know, so everyone's got stories like this. But my first year teaching, I had 13 kids in math, 13 special ed kids, which is a lot of kids um, for a special ed math class. And they were from kindergarten level to grade level. So fifth, I was at fifth grade at the time. So I was teaching one kid, this is a nickel, this is a nickel, this is a nickel. 
A quarter is the big one. A quarter is the big one. A dime is the small one. Literally repeating that hundreds and hundreds of times because that's what they needed. That's where they were. And then I had kids doing grade level fractions, you know, who they were in there for behavior reasons. And I had to teach all those kids at once. <laughs> it was hard. And I got to the end of my rope like, I'm not doing a good job. And I prayed, God, help, please help me. I need something. And what ended up happening was they sent out this grant thing. And um, I felt like it was a direct answer to prayer. God, like I felt like God wanted me to apply for this. And so I got iPads for my class, and I would record the lessons ahead of time. So I'd record a kindergarten lesson for the kindergarten kid. I'd record this lesson for that next kid, and I'd record grade-level lesson for the grade-level kids. And then they would all be sitting there with their iPads on, you know, during class, getting their lessons. And it was the only way I could have made it through. And I couldn't afford iPads, <laughs> you know. And I couldn't have made them choose my classroom, you know, or whatever. But... God help me, you know, and I, in my flesh, actually, this is a good <laughs> counterbalance. I did not want to take the time after work to apply for that grant. <laughs> I wanted to go home because it was a lot of work and I was ready to leave by the time, you know, that email came through, but I felt like God wanted me to do it. And I'm really thankful. And it was just the reason I share all that is God heard my prayer and I didn't deserve it. And it wasn't like I was the best teacher by any means or the best Christian but God heard my prayer just because I am a Christian at all. And he helped in a way that I couldn't plan. You know, I couldn't figure out how to do it. Um, I didn't know how to do it, how to help the kids. And that turned out really well. There's another time whenever I had the, I had had this table in my room where I put free books and I'd always put Bibles on there along with other books. Cause you know, you can't, it's kind of frowned upon if you're like, give every kid a Bible. Like, you need to read this. <laughs> but if you had Bibles in the back, as well as other books, you know, good books that they can take for free and keep, um, that's fine. More acceptable anyways. And I had a girl that took a Bible, and she said she was going to read it, and then she'd never talked about it for a long time, like months. And I was, and she really needed the Lord, particularly. And so I was praying about it god would you please cause that girl to read the bible she hasn't mentioned it in four or five months and she really needs you and that same day she said i didn't ask her anything she just said uh, and i hadn't been praying like every day i was like i'd forgotten that she had took me and i prayed and then that day she said mr turner you know i was reading such and such in the bible that you gave me it was like literally the day you know it's like i think god really answered you know like he he caused her to read, and it helped. And I don't know where she's at today, but you know we can still pray for her. All that is to say, that doesn't happen every time, <laughs> right? There's lots of times we pray God doesn't answer. We don't see those answers. But there's times when he does, and we don't want to forget that. Because that could be this time or the next time. And even when we don't see it, God's doing something. And many of the times it might be that it goes over our head. You know, God's doing something and we don't see what he's doing. It goes past us. Or there's times when he's doing something we don't expect or that's invisible to us. But the reality is we don't want to lose any of those opportunities. And we don't want to take them for granted that God really hears. God really hears us, every single one of us, when we pray. And so I hope this is an encouragement to you. And I hope it just is a spark for you this week. Something comes up pray. Maybe I'll give you some homework. 
how about I'll give you some homework here. Back to Elijah, it says like when somebody's sick, you know, pray for them. You know, okay, here's here's something we can do for one another. God hears every Christian, right? We just we spent this whole time talking about that. Whenever something difficult comes to you this week, here's your homework. Just call somebody or text somebody and say, hey, would you pray for me? Just that little thing. It'll be a help to you, but also be an encouragement to them. You know, God really hears. And it is a big deal that somebody wants me to pray for them. Because it's, you know, we've kind of been focusing on us as an individual, but it's true for all of us corporately. You know, all. And we can pray together for things. So that might be just one way you could apply it. That you've got people around you that have God's ear, and you can just ask, Would you pray for me? Well, why don't we close here? We'll pray together. Father, uh, we just want these things to be real in our hearts, in our lives. We need help. Would you just forgive us where we fall short and would you encourage our hearts? We just pray for, there's a lot of people um, that need prayer and we know that you hear us. We're thinking about different people um, that are just going through difficult things, thinking about that student that we just talked about, um, our family members that need you. We just lift all this up to you and we're looking to you for help. We know you hear. We're thankful that you hear. Would you give us boldness in our prayers? Would you give us freedom and just reality as we pray? We're so thankful that you hear us. We know we don't deserve it, but we're thankful. We're thankful, Jesus, that you died for us, that we might come before the throne of God with boldness. We're thankful. And we just pray, even just world events, big things are going on. We think about Nigeria, and uh, we think about Ukraine and Russia. We think about all this stuff going on in the Middle East, all over uh, Lebanon and other places. And we just lift it all up to you. Have mercy, God. Would you save people? Would you protect people? And we think especially about the women and the children, too. Um, Just protect them. Um, Protect vulnerable people, refugees, and we're seeing all this to you. We're thankful that you hear us and that you you know all those people. You love them more than we do and know their situation better than we do. We just hand it all to you. We ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen.